Good afternoon and um, welcome to this very special event which is entitled Raksha Bandhan and it's, um, the idea of today's event is really to create a very beautiful atmosphere of meditation. How many of you have been to an event like this before? Can you put your hands a little higher? I can't see. Wow, most of you. So, so that means just a few of you are here for the first time. Is that right? In the world, there's an expression um, that we use very casually. And the expression is, any excuse for a party. Have you ever used that expression? Any excuse for a party. And I think that uh, when it comes to um, festivals as well, it's like any excuse is a festival, let's celebrate. And this afternoon before coming here, actually this morning before coming here, I was thinking about this whole thing of festivals. Because today's program is based or has come from um, the idea of, uh, it's been based on a festival that's being going to be celebrated um, all over the world in the Indian community. Um, and it's a festival called Raksha Bandhan. It's due to happen in a few weeks' time. But actually, because it's become so international, um, people's kind of, its span kind of goes for a, a span of a few weeks. People celebrated a bit before, they celebrated on the day, and they celebrated afterwards as well. And I was thinking about the whole thing of festivals. Why do we celebrate festivals? You know, an event happens, I don't know, thousands of years ago. Let's take Christmas, for example. We celebrate Christmas as a festival. It's happened. It's an event that took place long, long ago. Why are we celebrating it today, years later? What is the purpose of celebrating a festival? This is a question I ask myself. And what I came up with is that festivals or the celebration of festivals, any festival... Christmas, Easter, Rakshabandhan, whatever it is, whatever tradition. And it's across all the faiths, right? We all have festivals. It's because festivals bring us back to our roots. Festivals reconnect us with our roots. And it's very important to be connected to your roots. If you are connected to your roots, something inside you stays nurtured. Let me give you an example, simple example. You take a tree. As long as the branch is connected to the tree, it hasn't fallen off with a storm or something, the water from the roots travels through the tree and it reaches the branch and it keeps it alive. Even the leaves and the flowers, so long as they're connected to the branch, they receive the water from the roots, right? But as soon as the leaves fall from the tree, as soon as the flowers fall from the tree, what happens? It withers, it loses its life, it loses its source of nourishment. And that's one of the reasons why it's important to stay connected to our roots. And celebrating festivals helps us to stay connected to our roots. Because when we celebrate a festival, actually any festival, there are things that we do, you know, physical things we do, you know, like we'll get together and we'll have a meal together or we'll give gifts to one another or something like that. But those are just like the top layer, if you like. There's a principle behind it, right? Why do we give gifts to one another at Christmas, for instance? We give gifts because get the giving of gifts symbolizes or it reminds us of a specific principle or a value or a virtue of what? Of generosity. 
And one of the key things that Jesus Christ demonstrated was generosity. And sometimes that's actually that's all it takes is seeing somebody who demonstrates to remind us that we can do it too. Any festival does the same thing. It's not about the actual story behind the festival. It's not about the people who came and went who were originally part of that event. But it's about the legacy that they left us and the legacy they leave us is the legacy of a certain value, virtue or principle. And so... I'm, what I'm going to do now is share with you a little bit about, I suppose, just in a couple of minutes, what's behind the tradition of Raksha Bandhan. What are the values and the virtues and the story underpinning it? Raksha Bandhan essentially is a festival in which today it's become a festival in which um, a brother and sister celebrate their relationship and their love for one another and what tends to happen is that a brother will come to see his sister or a sister will go to see her brother on the day of Rakshabandham and she will tie a, a sacred what's called a sacred thread around his wrist which is called a raki and he'll give her a gift and She'll also give him a sweet, and in return, he, as well as giving her a gift, he gives her a monetary gift, usually, but as well as that, he also gives her the gift of a pledge. And the pledge usually is, you're my sister, and no matter what, I will always be there to protect you. I will always be there to take care of you whenever you need I will protect your honor under all costs. And um, centuries ago when this whole tradition began, it was really to do with um, any time a lady, it wasn't actually brother and sister. Like nowadays it's become brother and sister. But when it first began, it was... Um, two things used to happen. One is it would be any time there was a situation in which um, a man was going out into a situation of danger. So, for example, going out to battle or going to war. Then his wife, usually, um, would come and tie this string on him. And the string was meant, the raki, the string is called the raki. The raki was meant to be like a reminder to him that he had people back home, he had his wife back home, who was, with her goodwill, kind of rooting for him, behind him, having, that, having those positive, pure thoughts for his well-being. That was the actual original origin and then around the same time, there was also a custom that your local priest, a Brahmin, who would be called a Brahmin priest, a local priest on the day of Raki would be invited to different family homes and the Brahmin priest, he would tie the Raki, not a brother or sister, but he would tie the Raki. And... Um, the whole idea of him tying the raki to all the family members, the children, the mother, the father, the grandparents, was that the thread would ward away evil. It would ward away the influence of all that was bad. And you know how it is with anything. Over time, things get modified. <laughs> And so the way Christmas was celebrated maybe a hundred years ago is kind of a bit different. Now we start getting ready for Christmas from August, I think. And it's become very commercial, right? Even the Christmas lights go up. Uh, I don't know about here. I'm, for, I'm staying in Manchester right now. And in Manchester, I noticed last year the Christmas lights went up in October. 
So traditions also and festivals and the way in which we celebrate them, sometimes they become diluted over time. So it's really important, I think, for us to spend time before those festivals and really think, really, what's the real origin behind them? What's the symbolism behind them? And so with Raki, um, I've told you a little bit about the story, but it's not about the story. The story actually illustrates three principles. And it's those principles that we're going to celebrate or um, bring out today. And those three principles are, they all begin with P, the principle of purity, the principle of a promise or a pledge, and the principle of protection. So purity, promise, and protection. These three things is what essentially Raki is about. And so let's take the first thing, purity. What actually no, let's take the first thing, protection, because that's the main one, protection. It was all done with a spirit of protected, a brother protecting his sister, a wife will, wishing protection for her husband, um, a priest protecting the family from uh, unwanted influences. But actually, where does protection come from? You know, a word that... Um, Another word for protection is insurance. You know, are you covered is what we say. You know, are you covered when it comes to insurance? We say, are you covered? Are you protected? And how does the whole principle of insurance work? You pay a little by little by little and you accumulate you've got something in the bag that you're accumulating so that when something happens where you require insurance or protection it's there for you because you've done the payments or the work or the installments along the way and so protection is not something that happens randomly protection is not something that someone else does for us Protection is possibly not even something that maybe God jumps in and does for us. Protection is something that we set up for ourselves in life. And what does protection look like as well, is another question. How does protection happen? And what does it look like? Well, for me, protection happens when there is goodness goodness in my thoughts, in my words, in my actions. Every time there is a depth of goodness or a depth of purity in my thoughts, words and actions, it's like I'm putting something in my piggy bank. And when do I need protection or what does it look like? Protection sometimes, protection means that Sometimes, when you're just about to do the wrong thing, you're just on the verge of doing the wrong thing, and something inside you says, no, don't do it. Had you done it, you would have caused yourself a loss. But something deep inside you says, no. And so you don't do it, so you are protected. I'll give you an example. I don't know how many years ago it was. 10, 15 years ago, there were the London bombings. Do you remember? And the, uh, there were some underground bombings. And it kind of bombings is not really a thing that happens that much in England. So it was quite dramatic. And I remember it specifically because we had a, a spiritual leader visiting us from India at the time. And she was questioned about it. Because what had happened that day, the bombing, she had arrived the day after the bombings. She was doing a program. 
And so what had happened is the, the day of the bombings, there were several people who visit Brahmakumari centres in London who were sharing their experience of how they are always on that route where the bombings happen, but somehow that day they didn't use the route. And I remember three of them specifically saying things, uh, giving their reason. One of them, the alarm didn't go off, so they missed the tube, thankfully. Another of them remembered that they needed to get something from a particular store before they got into work because they'd promised someone that they'd give it to them. And so they got off a stop before. And the third one, I can't remember what the third reason was actually, but there were these instances where they were describing how they should have been in that incident but they weren't and so they were protected and so the question was put to um, this spiritual leader whose name was Daddy Gulzar because she'd arrived just the next day um, how does protection work you know is it that God protects you is it that um, and if it's God that protects you what about the people that didn't get protected is he discriminate? Is not he, but is God um, discriminating? Um, what lies behind the principle of protection? And she shared something very beautiful, simple but beautiful. She said that actually there are two things that protect us. One is our ability to be mentally available or open and it's almost like there's a radio program on so God's protection if you like is like it is being transmitted but it can be transmitted but I won't pick it up if I'm tuned in somewhere else so a free mind, a mind that's not caught up in other things or over-engrossed or heavily engrossed in anything else. A free mind, an open mind, an available mind will be able to sense that signal that's coming. Which is why silence is so important to bring, build a little bit of quiet time or silence into our lives is very essential because so many things we could be protected from if we had this quiet time you know there are the littlest things you know um, what, a little, what a small moment of quiet can protect you or can um, do so much good for you I remember some many years ago my mom had this practice um, much to my embarrassment of always showing up at the place where I was working on my birthday and not on her own but with about 15 of her friends with a big birthday cake and she did this for years you know it's like at one point I had to say to her mom I'm grown up now <laughs> you don't need to bring the cake and everybody in the workplace would know that this was going to happen um and I would be the one who never knew until I saw that this was a pattern and I, then, I, <laughs> then I used a warner. But um, she would show up with a cake every year. And one year she, um, she showed up and um, had the cake and everything. And then I was sitting with her afterwards at lunch and she said, you know what, um... This, something we had read in the morning because we have a daily reading and so I was saying to her what, did you, what inspired you from the daily reading this morning this is what our conversation was and she was saying actually this morning we heard something about if you do things systematically um, then the result is always then there's more like, you're more likely to have a good result it was something along those lines and I said, oh, yeah, what makes you, why did you like that? And she said, let me give you an example. She said, I have a system. Whenever I'm leaving the house, um, I never rush out the front door 
She said, I have got this principle for myself, which is always sit down quietly and calmly for a couple of minutes, and then I walk out the house peacefully. And she's got a little meditation room, so she says, I always sit in my meditation room just for a couple of minutes, and I kind of say in my meditation room, I'm on my way out, be back later. And I, she said, I just sit there. And she said, but the day I was, she said, this morning what happened, so that's her system, okay? That's her system, and she's saying system brings success. That was the thing that she really enjoyed from the morning reading. She said, but this particular morning what happened was that because I was going to be um, driving and I was picking up everybody to save time, all the people who were coming in my car, I told them all to wait on the corner of their street so I wouldn't have to drive into everybody's homes. And she said, it started to rain and I was still in the house and I knew they were waiting outside. And she said, so I just panicked and I rushed. And she said, I didn't go to my meditation room. And um, she said, I got outside the um, the house, I set the alarm and everything, got in the car and I thought, oh God, I didn't do it. And she said, and she said I thought to myself, um, shall I go back in? I never leave the house not doing this. And she said, and the meditation room is at the front of the house, so you can actually, you know, see in through the window. She said, so I cheated. She said, I stood outside the window and I said, I'm going. <laughs> I didn't do it systematically, she said, according to the principle that I have set for myself. And I, and she said, and I said, yeah, and? And she said, and because of that, she said, last night I had specially whipped up this beautiful cream and there was this uh, extra layer of cake that was supposed to come with me that of course I forgot to pick up so you only got the base of the cake this year and um, and she said I know had I gone and sat for those two minutes as was my system and my principle I would have thought don't forget the cake in the fridge I know it sounds like a very basic, it's a very basic uh, example, but those examples extend to bigger things as well. It's like you just get a sense of something. So what is the process of protection about? It's about not being over-engaged, keeping your mind free so that you can catch the signals. It's about having that quiet time so that you are connected with yourself listening to your inner voice and your inner wisdom is telling you and it's also protection in the sense that there is a law that I think every faith and tradition has and that law is something that sounds something like whatever you do will come back to you in the east they call it karma as you do, so shall you reap. Whatever you do will come back to you. And so if I have put out thoughts of pure intention, thoughts of goodwill for others, then that's what's going to come back to me. And that's what's going to um, protect me. Because also, anything we do that's um, not clean is always going to, eventually is going to catch up with us. Eventually that thing is going to cause us harm. The wrongdoings that we do, the wrong thinkings that we have, the wrong feelings. Sometimes we think we have a wrong thought and it's okay. It happened in my mind. I didn't do anything about it. Nobody saw, nobody heard. But actually, every single thought we create, it releases a vibration, it, and that vibration goes into the atmosphere. And someone somewhere, especially the, if it's directed towards another person, they pick it up. They sense it. And sometimes you may not have had any external tiffs with someone, because you're quite good at keeping your mouth closed, 
but if you have thought anything untoward about a person at some level they will sense it and as soon as they catch it it will generate in their mind a feeling that is untoward towards you as well and then there's then you catch their their thought and you send back another thought and then it's like a badminton thing and then you wonder why when you come in front of them you feel uneasy when actually nothing's been said or done but mentally you have created something in the airways and so that's when you get breakdown in relationships where relationships become much more fragile and so if i want to have if i want cover for everything in my life because what are the three things there are three things primarily that give us um i suppose are what you call a happy or a healthy life one is if you have reasonable amount of wealth enough not too much but enough wealth health and stable state of mind these three things are what kind of what most people are looking for to bring them happiness and if even one of those is not quite in the right proportion then our happiness fluctuates or can fluctuate and so we need to take care that if we're talking about protection if we're talking about insurance what am i doing with those three assets what am i doing with my relationships am i generating those type of thoughts that are going to make my relationships fragile and my money how am i using my money am i squandering my money am i using my money purposefully am i using my money for the good of others because also you know it's an energy as well if i waste money when i have it when i need it it won't be there because there is also a law you know whatever you however you use something that thing also will respond to you in the same way and my mind you know some people could be so um i heard once some guy who had loads and loads of money i don't remember his name even he was one of the top richest people and he said i got so much money i don't know what to do with it his mind doesn't know what to do with it and i've also known instances of people who have so much money but they have some kind of mental disorder and so they don't they can't manage their own affect money affairs so we need somewhere all three of those things and people who have health people who have wealth but they have no one around them who cares for them or loves them because the quality of their relationships is is not good and so somewhere along the line maybe we need all three and we need to be attentive and so that's what the whole um i think principle of purity in those three things and why do they use the expression brother and sister because brother and sister is that relationship of purity as well and also when you have a blood relation with someone um then you tend to your blood relations are the people you tend to call on if there's a problem right or we feel more for people who are closer to us than for people who are not so close to us so i just give you a random example if my brother had a car accident and was in hospital how many of you would go and see him i mean it's not something we do right but if it was your brother how many of you would go <laughs> your brother or sister or whoever 
But when there is a bond between us, between then when there is a bond, then you feel more obliged to be there, to help, to protect, to care for. But as human beings, we all have limitations, and the, one of the limitations that we have is sometimes. You know, what if our family members are on the other side of the world? What if my brother or my sister lives in Australia? Something happens to him. I can't just jump on a plane and get there immediately. It's going to take me at least how many hours does it take to get to Australia? Something crazy, right? Twenty or twenty-eight or something like that. But so I can't be there to protect them. So. Again, who is protecting who? What is the real bond? It's actually the bond of God with every human being, because that is the oldest and the most original and the very first relationship that ever happened. God, the Father of humanity, the Mother of humanity, the Parent of humanity. And all of humanity, one world family, God's family, and parents also are providers and protectors. They will look out. Well, nowadays it's a different story, but once upon a time, that used to be the thing that your parents would be your providers and your protectors. And so God, that supreme being, who has who doesn't differentiate between caste, color, creed, religion, but God has that sense of protection. But how can I make that protection work for me? Or why is it that I feel that sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't? You know, there are three things. When it comes to any relationship, even a relationship with God, there's first thing is relation. Sometimes you are related to someone; you have a blood relation with them. So, and you can't choose your blood relations. You know, you can't choose your mom and dad. You get them. <laughs> you can't swap them. Um, you can choose your partner. But you can't choose your mom and dad, so you have a blood relation. So we all have a relationship with God. But then the second element is communication, and the third element is connection. According to my level of communication. So will be the quality of my connection. So, what I mean by that, for um, for example, say for instance, my my parents live I don't know, I don't know where's a faraway place, Africa. Say for instance, my parents live in Africa. I leave them and I come and I move to England, and. My relationship is a relationship. It could be a very distant relationship. So I leave home, sixteen, never turn back, never phone them, never write to them, never contact them. They don't know where I am. I don't know where they are. There's no communication. So what kind of connection is there? There is no connection, no communication, no connection. And then there are some children who leave home. They move to England and they get there, and within one week, they've sent mum. Just got my first flat.、Um, it's got this many windows and it's got lots of light and、um, there's a little kitchenette and the neighbours are like this. And then they write back the next week, mum, got my car now. It's this colour car and it it does.、Um, it's had this many. It's done this many miles. And then oh, got my first job. And they keep updating. And your mom and dad sitting in in Africa, they feel like they're there. They feel like they know everything that's going on. You are communicating, 
and you are connecting. And when you're connecting, then they'll tell you what's going on for them as well. And when you stay connected, then it's like you're enjoying them, they're enjoying you, they're supporting you when you need support, and vice versa. No communication, no connection means that you don't actually benefit from who they are or what they are. And it becomes the same thing with God. Somehow we forget to communicate and connect. And so the relationship becomes as good as non-existent. And we're not able to take benefit from what and who God is. And therefore we are not able to um, experience that protection always, even though it's available. And so I suppose what Raksha Bandhan also is about, it's also a time when I realize that actually there's more to every human being than just the external. It's not about, like I said earlier, it's not about my religion or my caste or my creed or my background. For God, all those things don't matter. You know, you couldn't, wouldn't it, doesn't it sound odd if I say God is a Christian, God is a Muslim, God is a Hindu? Doesn't it sound odd in itself to say that? You can't tie God down to one tiny little fraction, one limitation. God is the most beautiful, the most unlimited, the most accessible being who cares enormously about the whole of humanity. And God doesn't see us with our physical form. What God sees is what's on the inside. And what is on the inside of every human being is the being. The being which is the, what you might call the soul, you might call it the spirit, you might call it the inner light, you might call it the inner voice. But inside everyone, there is a light. And it is this light that communicates with that supreme light, that higher light. And so Raksha Bandhan is also about taking a few minutes for me to maybe just stop and consider that I also have this distant relationship with this higher being which and I might not have kept up my communication. So it might be a time for me to say, uh, excuse me, I'm a bit embarrassed, but I haven't been in touch for a long while. But I wondered if you wouldn't mind if we reconnected. Do you ever have, do that with your friends? Like, like friends you remember from years ago. And then you suddenly just decide something inside you says, like, it's time to reconnect. And it's okay if the gap has been there or hasn't been there, whatever. But it's also, it's just to take a few time, few minutes to reconnect the bond. Because where there is bond, there is that deeper level of protection and care. So if it's my brother, you won't come to the hospital. But if it's your brother, you will. So that's one element, the protection, the purity. And now what I'd like to do is just take the next few minutes before I finish um, to go through the symbolism of the little ceremony that we're going to do today. The, whole, the idea is that we will create an atmosphere of meditation and so um, we're inviting everybody to spend as long as you like. I think we're here till five o'clock and uh, you can sit 
for as little as you like or as, as long as you like. You can stay right till the end if you like. But we're going to create an atmosphere of reflection, of quiet time, of meditation. And um, during the ceremony, each person will come up when they feel ready. I think that's the idea, right? Or are they coming up row by row? No, when you feel ready, you can come up to the front and there's going to be two chairs here. And you will be offered three, four, three or four gifts as part of the ceremony. And each one of those gifts has a spiritual symbolism and significance. So the first thing you get is the thing that I spoke about already, the raki, the bracelet of thread, the thread. And why is it a thread? It's usually a yellow thread. So it's very, very simple. Can you see it? It's a very simple yellow golden thread. Golden or yellow because that's the color of spring, the color of newness, the color of a new start, a fresh start, a fresh start in my thinking, maybe a fresh commitment to myself, but the whole concept or principle of refreshing, recommitting, renewing, even nowadays, you even have to renew your lease on your house. You have to... There's so many things we do in life that require renewal and refreshment. It's like you come back from work. What's the first thing we do nowadays? Take a shower. You just want to freshen up again, right? So the need for freshening up again. So yellow, the color of newness, refreshment... Renewal, new beginning. And why a string, not a bracelet? It would have been much easier to put a bracelet on than a string that I'm going to have to tie. Because when I, when I have to tie something, it requires two ends to come together. It's a contract. It's not... Um, I'll do all the work or God will do all the work and I'll just sit back and receive. But he'll do a bit and I'll do a bit. And then it becomes like a contract. It becomes a friendship. And that's what a relationship is, right? Relationships become one-sided, tend to break down, right? How many times do we say in our relationships, I have to call this off, this is very one-sided. I'm the one doing all the giving, and there's never any return from you. How many of you have ever said that in your life? Is that just me that that's happened to? <laughs> and so a relationship, two ends coming together. And so maybe before coming up, I would invite you to think about what do you, what do you want to offer? What do you want to do that's maybe a little different, that's going to make a difference? And what would you like God to come back with for you? If God, if God suddenly, let's just say, I'm going to be dramatic here. If God showed up in Brighton and a uh, one-time appearance, half an hour only, okay, and he said, uh, he said, uh, um, one-stop shop, um, you can have whatever you like. You got half an hour. Ask what you, your heart cherishes. Ask for what your heart cherishes the most. What would you like? What do you want from me? It might be the answer to a question that you've always had. It might be that you feel that you want to experience a different type of love. It might be that there's been a lot of sadness in your life and... You want that sadness to go and you want to feel happy. It might be that there's somebody who you've had a grudge against since the beginning of time and it's burdening you and you just don't know how to forgive them and you just don't want to carry it anymore. It could be anything. Each one of us knows the secrets of our own heart and what we deeply need and want for ourselves. So I'd invite you before coming up maybe have a little think if you want to if you don't you can just sit and enjoy 
the atmosphere because the atmosphere will be very lovely too so but it's not enough you see just to know what you want you also have to be you also have to be I think we also have to do something as well make a little change in our life it could be the simplest thing it could be something like you're always late and you wind people up because you're always late <laughs> and so you say to yourself okay from now on I'm going to make a commitment to be on time it could be that you're a quick thinker and because you're a quick thinker you always butt in when there's a meeting and you take over and you say and because you take over other people never express themselves so it could be you say okay the next, uh -huh, I'm going to make a bit more effort to keep quiet <laughs> it could be that you're very quiet and you never make the effort when others are around you never make the effort to talk or anything and so you say to yourself okay I'm going to make a bit more effort to speak I'm going to make a bit more effort to help around the house anything that's right for you because actually every tiny step that we take to change anything in our lives our thinking, our words, our actions we do get a good return for it so that's what the contract the bracelet is a symbol of the contract of a contract two sides and when you tie the knot to close it it's like shaking hands when you shake hands the deal's final <laughs> And then the second thing that you will receive is what is called a tilak. It's um, a tilak is something that is a paste that is applied on your forehead. It's in India you would have seen, or a lot of Indian ladies maybe you've seen, they walk around with a dot in the middle of their forehead as part of their makeup. Well, it's not actually just makeup it's actually part of a tradition a tradition that says always remember who you are really and who we really are is not this body that you see but like I said before inside each one there is the inner light and so this tilag this dot that's applied is a symbol of the inner light and for me to remember that I am that inner light and not to kind of create the barriers that we create when we look at each other from the outside rather than look at each other on the inside and this particular paste that's being used to put the dot on today is it's sandalwood paste and why is it sandalwood? it's sandalwood because sandalwood is considered to be one of those things in nature that has very cooling properties so symbolic again of also may your head always remain cool because when your head is cool and calm then your decisions are going to be decisions that are good for you decisions that are good for others how many times do we say cool down before you make a decision don't make a decision when you're heated you'll regret it how many times have you said that to yourselves? So let the head always be cool. Let you, may I always be aware of who I am, the inner light. And another thing that we will do whilst tying the raki, whilst applying the, um, the tilak, the tilak also is the sign in days gone, by any time there would be um, somebody was out was about to venture on something where there was going to be an unknown result um, they would pl apply the tilak as like a good luck sign it would be something whereby the inside the feeling would be may you be victorious so whether you were going out to war like I said whether you were going to have an exam, whether you were going for a job interview, the tilak with this deep sentiment 
may you be victorious and so the tilak today is being applied with that sentiment may you be victorious in the face of all the things that life puts in front of you and as the tilak and the rakhi are being applied um, if you're comfortable I would invite you to practice something that we in the meditation center called Dvishti. Dvishti means to consciously make eye contact with someone but with the awareness that I, the light, the inner light, am seeing my brother, the inner light. So I'm not seeing your physical form, I'm not seeing you know, your status, your wealth, your clothes, your hairstyle you're good looking, you're not good looking or anything like that but I'm crossing all those barriers and it's I the light I see my brother the light and that creates a deep feeling of friendship and a deep feeling of togetherness and then um, the third thing you'll be given is a sweet and a sweet to symbolize May your mouth always speak words that are sweet. Sweet to others. Sweet, uplifting, encouraging to others. And then... So you'll take that from me. And um, Linda, who's the coordinator of the center, the meditation center in Brighton, she'll also be joining me in just a few minutes. And from Linda, you will receive... Um, a gift and a fruit and the fruit is symbolic of the fact that we will always we always receive the fruit of whatever we do every thought word action is a seed and eventually you receive the fruit of it so a reminder that let me create the right type of fruits in my life let me harvest to have the right kind of harvest to get the right kind of fruit and then a gift because a gift is what every time if you have a gift from someone every time you see the gift what do you do? what happens naturally? it's not a trick question <laughs> every time you see and, and when you see that gift at home around the house what happens? you remember the person you remember the occasion you remember the feelings the whole experience re-emerges right? so the gift is like a token it's a token to carry away and to, so that the experience stays with you so that you remember what you thought about on this day you remember what you felt and it just helps helps us so I think we're ready to go